Thank you, Eloise. Are you, please sit, sit down. So good. Oh, glory to God. Hey, our pastor Gary and Jane are with our family in Tail and Bend this morning. So they're serving there. So it's just great to have that opportunity to get out there and, and be with others. So uh, do pray for them. Uh, he's probably preaching the word right now. Uh, so pray that they have a, a good trip back and a great time there, that God will move there. Uh, this morning, I pray that uh, I encourage you and challenge you as we gather around this word. And uh, perhaps, uh, Eloise, we will have a little theological discussion. And, uh, and uh, you'll know when we get to it. I'm going to read from John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. We're doing good? Great. I got up early this morning, did my bike ride around Mount Barker, like I normally do. My winter gloves on, hoodie. It was cold. But I did it. I did it. John chapter 2, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them out of the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. The disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that as we gather around it this morning, that you would speak through me into the hearts and minds of each person here this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm uh, becoming a, a Star Trek fan, and uh, much to my uh, wife's joy. I've been making my way through all the Star Trek, so I'm now up to Star Trek Enterprise. So any Trekkies out there kind of know, yeah, there's one down there. Um, know the journey and where, where I'm possibly at. But I remember one of the originals. There's an episode where uh, the Klingon, which is an alien race, who uh, meet up with uh, some crew from the Enterprise, Scotty in particular, in a cafeteria area. And uh, the Klingon, they're, they're a proud people, uh, or alien, I should say. And uh, they're picking on the, uh, the staff, the, the, the people of the Enterprise. And they're having a go at the workers and uh, attacking them personally. And, uh, and he's, he's holding his composure, just taking it in. They even pick on Captain Kirk and he's, he's just keeping himself down. Then all of a sudden the Klingon turns around and makes a comment about their ship, that the Enterprise was like a junk of rusty steel garbage. Poor Scotty the engineer couldn't contain himself. It was then on for young and old. He kept himself contained about talking about the people, abusing himself, but as soon as he touched 
the enterprise, his building, his house for that matter, he stood up to a challenge. He was consumed with zeal. Zeal for the enterprise consumed him. Here we have a story of Jesus walking into the temple and seeing what was going on and something consumed him. Now this follows directly after turning water into wine. And now it moves from Cana and then straight into the story. And John wants to make a connection because in our English translations, we don't pick this up. Our English translations just say, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. But John actually writes like this. There they stayed a few days in Cana and when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. John's wanting to make a connection between what happened here, this first sign, and what's about to happen now in Jerusalem in this temple. When visiting the, uh, the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus is consumed with anger by the way that the temple is being treated, the way people behaving in this temple. And then John provides a rationale for Jesus in quoting uh, Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. Psalm 69 is a lament psalm, a complaint, a psalm that, allows us to be honest. Perhaps we could read them as confessions. Because I don't know about you, but there's times when I feel things aren't going my way. Why, God? Why, God? And this is what the laments are in, in the Bible. God, you say this, but it's not happening. You've declared this, but it's not working. Speaking out our feelings declaring what's going on inside of us. And you know what? God already knows it. We're just allowing our mouth to verbalise what's happening inside. This psalm is a cry of a hurting man who is asking God for help against his many troubles and foes. Psalm 69 is described as a precious psalm. It begins with the cry of one who bores the sin in his body, who suffered for our sake. It ends with the glorious results of his atoning work. Verse 1, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink into the miry depths and it goes on crying out, I'm a worm, I'm worn out, sorry, calling for help. Lament, lament, I'm a foreigner in my own family, a stranger to my mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Then verse 29 brings us back to the beginning. For as you, for, but as for you, afflicted in my pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. And then ends in verse 30 and onwards. I will praise God. I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving and continues crying out to God for His greatness, His faithfulness and how He saves His people. God will save. God will deliver. You know, in this moment, you might be feeling like God's not answering your prayer. I want to encourage you. Voice the Psalms of lament, complaint before the Lord. And it's just interesting with all these Psalms in the Bible of lament, when you read through them and people voice out their complaints, they always end with praising God, with praising God. Praise on the lips of the psalmist. 
Here in John, Jesus complains about the people and how they're treating the temple. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Then John points his readers to Psalm 69. Zeal for your house will consume me. Psalm 69 is also considered a messianic psalm. Next to Psalm 22 and 110, it's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. John is making a connection between, in, in, in reading Psalm 69 between Jesus and him fulfilling the messianic prophecies. He is the one who suffers, then brings about God's salvation. Jesus was consumed with zeal for the house of God. Zeal. Zeal. What is zeal? Well, jealousy. Envy, a state of ill will ranging even to anger, pretty aggressive. And from how we read this, we can kind of see there was some aggressive behaviour going on there as Jesus formed a cord and was throwing out these things that were taking place in the temple. But also zeal in the good sense is passion, a strong desire, deep devotion for something, someone. Like in 2 Corinthians 11.2, I am jealous. It's the same word, zeal. I am jealous for you and a godly, with a godly jealousy. I'm passionate for you. I'm devoted to you with a godly devotion. I know what zeal is like. I'm sure we all have experienced moments of zeal in that passion and devotion. I mentioned earlier I get up early and I try to get up early each day for my regular uh, time in the morning. But I've got to tell you, sometimes when that alarm goes, I just kind of want to sit and stop. But I remember when I was younger and uh, I used to like to go surfing quite a lot. And uh, when I knew I was going surfing, my alarm was set way before the sun was coming up. Now we're talking 4 a.m. or earlier because I had to drive an hour or so to get to the beach because the best surf is in the morning. And so my alarm was set at 4 a.m. As soon as that alarm beeped, even before it beeped, I was up out of bed. I had the board shorts on, grabbed the keys, the boards were on the top, and I was off. I was consumed with zeal to get down the coast, to get in the water, have a good surf. The hardcores actually sleep in their board shorts. But um, it's amazing when we're passionate about something, how our behaviour changes. When, when we're devoted to something, when we love something so much, we, we tend to change how we act in a good way. Like the jealousy of a lover feels for their beloved. Jesus was passionate for the Father's house you know, he, he came at the time of the Passover. The Passover was an annual celebration where the Jews all over the world would come to Jerusalem, to the temple to offer sacrifices. And because of the, the, the large distance, many of them would travel. Some of them would uh, uh, sell their, their sacrifices in their hometown and then take the gold or silver to the temple. Then they had the opportunity to buy what uh, the animal relevant connected to what they were going to sacrifice and be able to offer that at that time. And so this was now taking place in the temple, the exchanges. Now, the practice of exchanging 
animals in the temple was a uh, matter of contention. So apparently, uh, Caiaphas, high priest, had a dispute with the Sanhedrin over whether it was permissible to sell animals in the temple courts. Apparently, he won because they were selling the animals in the temple courts. There is no evidence in the Bible of greed or corruption. The problem was not the greed, but rather the trading in the temple courts. Now, Jesus shouted, stop turning my father's house into a market. Now, a better translation would be, stop making my father's house a trade house. He uses the word house twice to show the comparison. They turned the father's house, his father's house, into a trade house. Not as we read in Matthew 21, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It became more focused about how to get the sales. The priority was no longer prayer and worship. In doing so, Jesus was also making a prophetic statement. In overturning the trade house, he was stopping the sacrifices at Passover, perhaps a prophetic sign of what he was about to do. Jesus' seal, his love, his passion, devotion for the Father's house consumed him. He had seal for the Father's house. Stop turning my Father's house, my Father's house into a market. He used the words Father's house, my Father's house. Shows an emotional connection for Jesus. He was emotionally connected to this place, to this building. And this is the first instant that John recalls Jesus referring to God as his Father. Where we relate it on and on through John, where, where Jesus is speaking on behalf of God as his one and only Son who came into the world. John tells us that as Jesus entered the temple, he saw what was going on and became overwhelmed, consumed with passion. This is not a house It's a home. It was his father's home. It's his father's house. It was more than just a building. Jesus loved his father's house. We see the connection when Jesus was a boy. In Luke, Jesus took Jesus to the temple, which they did annually, by the way. And this time when he was 12 years old, the parents were leaving, time to go home, and they left. Three days later, they couldn't find Jesus. If you feel like you've been a bad parent, just, all right, just always come back to that passage. Eventually, they found Jesus in the temple, 12 years old. And this is what Jesus said, verse, uh, chapter 2 in Luke, verse 49. Why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Luke is showing again this connection. Jesus was connected to this house. He loved the house. It was like his home. After Jesus overturns the trade, he calls the temple his father's house. Now, in that, the Jews then respond. They go, what sign can you show to prove your authority to do this? Now, firstly, 
They didn't rebuke him for disrupting the whole process of the sacrifices and worship at the time. They said, what sign gives you the authority to do this? They, they then didn't question him about addressing God as his father. This is my father's house. They, they wanted a sign. They asked for a sign of his authority. Now, John, the Gospel of John, is all about signs. Signs that point to Jesus, who is the Messiah. The first sign was the water and the wine at the wedding in Cana. And when the Passover had come, they went in Jerusalem. John wants to bring out this second sign of what takes place in Jerusalem. Now, any of you who do do some Bible study, you might be thinking, now, doesn't this happen at the end of Jesus' ministry? There's a theological discussion. Uh, I was talking with my colleague and we kind of joked around and go, yeah, Jesus did it every year. So when he came on, here we go, here goes Jesus again, turning everything over. I haven't got the answers to when it happened, except the answer in John is that he's making a connection, a connection between the signs of that point to who Jesus is and the fulfilment in regards to the Old Testament. This is a sign. But in asking for a sign, then Jesus responds, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple and raise it again in three days. Now, Jesus actually now uses a different word for temple, which we don't see in our English. Now, John writes in verse 14 that they enter into the temple courts, which is one word for temple. Then Jesus, in verse 16, calls the temple his father's house. Then in verse 19, he says, destroy this, probably a better word might be sanctuary, holy place. In a sanctum. And they replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple sanctuary, and you're going to raise it in three days? Now, I mean, to me, that seems like a logical response. You know, if someone came in and said, Hey, knock down this building and I'll build it in three days, you're going, Yeah, right. Tell them they're dreaming. There's no way that's happening. Not even if we could do 24 7 work. And the material's all there and we had the best machinery. No, it's not happening in three days. Even the disciples didn't get it. But, but John writes, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what was said. And after, they believe, after then they believed the scripture, the words Jesus had spoken. You know, so the disciples didn't really get it at that time. They're probably thinking too, yeah, what do you mean, Jesus? I'm not doing the work. But he wasn't talking about the literal temple, the physical temple. He was talking about his body, predicting his death. You know, this temple was no longer about the physical building. It's about the very body, the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's what the temple represented. The temple represented the, the dwelling place of God. And Jesus coming in, he was disrupting the Passover, the sacrifices during the Passover. And Jesus was making a religious cleansing, what was taking place. And as I mentioned, a prophetical, prophetical statement pointing to his death that will do away with all the other temple sacrifices. 
Jesus purified the temple, showing thereby that he had come to remove all barriers to the true worship of God. Jesus had come to open up a way to the true worship, to true worship of God. This is the ultimate sign, the sign of Noah. You may have read that in Scripture too when Jesus talks about the sign of Noah. When Noah went into the fish, belly of a a fish for three days, then came back out later, Jesus went into death for three days and rose again. The sign of Jonah. He was speaking about his body, his death and resurrection. He was about to become the stone that the builders rejected. The stone on which all other living stones are built. As Peter writes, you also are living stones being built into a spiritual house. Here's our theological discussion. Paul tells us in Corinthians, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? For God's temple is sacred and you together, you together are that temple. The temple of God represents the very presence of God, represents the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We are the body of Christ, the temple of God, the place where God dwells. Jesus is describing having zeal for God's house which he identifies as his own body, the church. Jesus has zeal for you and I, for his Father's house, which is the temple, the place where he dwells, the body of Christ. He has passion for you, passion for each and every one of us. He loves us immensely. Zeal for his Father's house consumes him, consumes him. It's like this emphasis on it's not enough to have zeal. It, was, it consumed him, consumed him. Now, in referring to Psalm 69 in the commentary by John Goldingay, he translates passage, the passage this way, because of its passion for your house, that has destroyed me. Destroyed me, consumed, destroyed me. For such passion has consumed, not merely in the sense of being felt to be very important, but in the sense of being my undoing. My undoing. The zeal for this house turned him into perhaps what we might call today a religious freak. It was his undoing. And it led to his ultimate Destruction, consumption, being consumed completely. Maybe we need a few more religious freaks today who are destroyed, undone with zeal for God's house, with zeal for the people of God, with zeal for the body of Christ. The psalmist continues in verse 9, and the insults of those who insult you, that's God, fall on me. Now, the insults of those that are insulting God fall on those who are consumed with the zeal for God's house. You know, there's a level that this is already taking place in our society. I mean, just, just recently, we could see the news when 
the ex-premier, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, goes to speak in a church in Perth, and the news reports just go crazy, uh, saying, oh, Scott Morrison spoke at church and told worshippers uh, to uh, putting their faith in government is a mistake. Manipulating his words, putting insults onto those who are faithful to God. You may have experienced some of that yourself in your situation. The insults of God are falling on those who are passionate for his house, for the body of Christ. Jesus warned about this in, to his followers in John 15. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Those consumed with zeal will be treated as Jesus freaks. Many of them were killed just like their saviour. They were literally destroyed. There's many of these stories throughout history. Acts 7, perhaps we read about the first Jesus freak, Stephen. Stephen was a man full of spirit, it says in Scripture, full of the spirit. And he was appointed to serve the community, by the way. He was appointed to perhaps serve how we have our food pantry to distribute food to those in need. Firstly, he was someone full of spirit. Then he was identified and selected to help distribute food to those in need. And then as he continued to do his work, he was so passionate and declared the good works of God that people couldn't argue against him. In fact, not only did he do his job, there were signs and wonders being done through Stephen. And as he had his final discussion with the, those who were persecuting him, towards the end he looks up and he says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus had stood as he saw Stephen allow himself to be consumed with seal for the house of God. And they throw those stones down on him. Another favourite of one of my favourite Jesus freaks is John Huss, a forerunner to the Reformation. He lived in the, born in 1369, born in Bohemia. He was trained as a priest and served the people. He was known for challenging the religious hypocrisy of the day. Uh, he, he longed for spiritual authenticity. He took the gospel. He was banned from church from preaching, so he took the gospel to the streets. And then he also began to proclaim the gospel in the common language, not using the Latin or the high language. It couldn't be understood by the people. It's uh, reported that he was burnt alive on the 6th of July, 1415. And as the flames rose to the sky, apparently Huss's voice could be heard singing, Jesus, Son of living God, have mercy on me. You know, perhaps this Jesus freak was the original Bohemian Rhapsody. We could talk about Mother Teresa, who wrote, Jesus is my everything. She was consumed, consumed. Jesus is my everything. These men and women were consumed with zeal for the house of God, just like their Lord and Master, consumed with zeal for the body of Christ.
Jesus, his zeal is for the church. My challenge for us today, as the body of Christ, do you have zeal that consumes you for the house? Does our love for the living temple consume us? As a wrap-up, I want to offer a few practical tips on how we can live with zeal for our Father's house, zeal for the body of Christ that consumes us. The first thing I thought of, we can gather together. We can come together. I love being here on Sunday. Now, I don't have to be here. I want to be here. I want to be here. I desire to be here. This is God's place when we get to gather together. I get to join together with the body of Christ, come together to worship him with others, brothers and sisters. What a privilege. I love that. I love to be here. And the fact that you're here tells me that you love that too. I'm passionate about coming together, not just on a Sunday though. Sunday's awesome. I love that. But we can also enjoy that through connect groups. Connect together during the week. I mean, you go read through Acts, you'll find that they were meeting regularly. Yes, at temples and in homes. They got together regularly. They enjoyed being together. They had a love, a zeal for each other, the body of Christ. Do you love being with God's people? Do you love getting together with the body of Christ? Coming together to worship God corporately. That's the privilege we have, opportunity. I love to do that. That's why I come on Sunday. It's not because I have to. I want to. I desire to be here. Let's gather together. Gather together. Second thing I thought of, serve the house. When you're passionate about something, you, you want to serve. My fam- I serve my family. I love my family, so I'll do what I can to serve my family. When it came to church, when I was old enough, I wanted to start serving my church. One of the first things I recall as a kid was being involved in a building fund. And I remember getting back then a little card and you would sign off like every 50 cents or something, you would sign off. And I remember collecting these cards and uh, contributing to the brand new building uh, for the, the church that we were uh, part of at that time. I was serving the body as a young kid. And then as I became a teenager, I started helping out in kids' ministry. Uh, then it wasn't long before I joined the band and I was in the band. And then when I got my license, I was so excited. Now, laws have changed a little bit just for health reasons. But as soon as I got my license, I was picking up young kids and created a life group. I, I just love doing this. I love serving the house. In fact, someone even made a comment while I was studying at uni. Well, fortunately, my uni was near where the church building was, but I was nearly there every day. Just, oh, I'm near. I'll just call in, see what I can do. I was passionate about serving God's house. I joined the multimedia team. I've been a volunteer in various areas of the church. In fact, this uh, church I was in, they uh, are the, the running short on hosts and ushers, which I believe is a, a common thing right across our nation and the world. 
And so they said, well, listen, we need to get some young people involved. And so I was uh, involved in this discussion. I said, all right, I'll help. I got together a group of young guys. And I said, all right, we're going to form a, a team to, to become ushers. And so we started a team to be ushers in this church. And uh, now this was a, a large church, so we had a big car park. And so while we we're on car park duty, it wasn't long before a football came out. We had some fun. And uh, being a bigger building, there's a few entrances, and we could be on one side of the building, and then all of a sudden you hear someone down this end going, how's it going? Great to see you this morning. And it wasn't long before people were starting walking through the doors and they're starting to crack smiles. Hey, he was happy to see me. And uh, there was a bit of joy coming in, even before they actually entered into the building. These young guys just uh, brought a bit of zeal to uh, what was happening just in serving the church. How are you serving the house? How are you serving the body of Christ? You know, what ministry team can you serve in? Did you know that the global church is the largest volunteer group in the world? Without volunteers, the church wouldn't be able to do what it does. You know, as I was preparing this, I just thought, I just wanted to honour Miss Kathy. You know, Miss Kathy, Kathy, you're a legend. And you served the church for years. And, uh, yeah. And I know you've told your story many times, but you, you started as a teenager as well, being involved in kids' ministry. And uh, even though she is not on roster on the kids' ministry, she is still serving our kids today, still loves our kids, has a zeal. My kids know when they come to church they need to find Miss Kathy because she has a treat for them. Now, no one else do that, please, because that's enough sugar. But, but Miss Kathy, she's, she's still serving the house. She might not be in a roster, but there's a passion and zeal coming from her in serving this house. How can you serve the house? How can your zeal and passion come out for this house? Perhaps it could be in serving others, inviting someone around for dinner, having a coffee, or a vanilla slice with someone. Those who know me uh, know I enjoy a vanilla slice. We can serve the house, serve the people, the food pantry, youth ministry, children's ministry, music team, front line, media, hospitality. There are many ways in which we can serve. How are you serving the house? Gather together, serve the house. Greet people. We can just greet people. I had a bit of a wake-up call for this in my studies to America. While I was in the States, I would visit uh, different churches. And while I I would look the same, uh, I would walk in and uh, I would say, G'day. Now, in the shopping centre, I walked in and said, G'day. The shop assistant goes, are you from Australia? I walk into a church and say g'day, and it was just like a handshake and off I went. In fact, I actually took myself on several occasions to their visitor's room myself. And it was a bit of a wake-up call for me in that I go, you know what, this is my father's house. This is my literal house. If I was in my home with my family... And someone walked into my home that I didn't know. What would I do as the father 
or living in that home do is someone I didn't know walked into my family home. I would go say hi. And not in a rude way, but, you know, going, why are you here? Because <laughs> no, obviously they got invited. But I'd be finding out, I haven't seen you in my house before. What brings you to my house? Welcome to my house. This is my home. A big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. Sorry, audio adrenaline fans there. We can just say hi. If we love the house and love the people, love the body of Christ, we're going to greet people. We're going to say hi. You know, some of you might be really good at this and better than me at this, but here's a couple of questions. You can go, hey, hey, my name's Dean. Have you been here before? How long have you been in Mount Barker? Because generally, if, if someone's coming here that we haven't seen before, perhaps they've just recently moved into the area. Uh, how's your week been? And, and let's, let's say it as we mean it. Like, how's it going? When you say, how's it going, do you actually mean it? Or are you just kind of palming it off as a greeting? Actually mean, how's it going? Stop and wait for the response. What do you do for work? Would you like a drink in the cafe? There's a couple of simple little questions we could use when greeting someone. A zeal for God's house that consumes us means we want to gather together, means we're wanting to serve the house, serve the body. We greet people and the musicians can come up. We talk about the house. A passionate person talks about things they love. The other week I was over in the York Peninsula and went to the Yorktown Bakery. That's right. And uh, the York pie was a good pie. It's the same recipe since 1971. So the mints and the, uh, the, the combination, that was a good pie. So I do recommend the York Bakery to you. I love a good pie. I'm happy to talk about pies um, and vanilla slices. The vanilla slice was okay. It was, uh, it was a bit too crunchy on top, so I couldn't eat it properly unless the custard kind of squeezed out the side. Are you passionate about the house? Do you talk about the house? I was just talking to someone yesterday uh, uh, in regard to two people. Uh, one with the park run, just going, oh, what are we doing today? Well, I've got to go home and finish preparing for my message on Sunday. So I'll be speaking at church on Sunday. And then someone else, we're having a chat about different things that are happening. And I said, oh, well, part of my job as a Bible teacher, I uh, teach these things. I wanted to share some things that I love, things that I'm involved with. Passionate people talk about the house, the body of Christ, Jesus. Do you talk about Jesus? Do you talk about the house? Invite people to the house. Invite them along. Share time with them. Talk to them. Spread the good news. You know, maybe you can help with this. Lisa and I have been talking. How do we share the good news of the community pantry with our retired aged group in our community? I'm sure many of them, like many of us, have been hit with the cost, the rising cost of living. But perhaps Many there are suffering more than what we know or could understand. How do we get the good news into them? Perhaps you can help. If you can, why don't you come and talk to Lisa, who is out serving with the kids this morning.
have a chat. See how you can serve that way and, and be consumed with zeal for our house as we talk about. We gather together. We serve one another. We greet each other. We talk to people and we talk about the house. There's probably many more things we could talk about. Zeal for your house will consume you. Does the zeal of God's house consume you this morning? Maybe this is the first time you've been here and you haven't heard about Jesus who was consumed with zeal for His house so much that He was destroyed by allowing Himself to die on a cross then rose again on the third day. He did that because He had a passion for you, a love for each and every one of us so that we could come into right relationship with God the Father. If you haven't made that decision before or perhaps you've drifted away, I want to encourage you this morning as we close, why don't you rededicate back your life to Jesus and say, I want to be one that is consumed with zeal for the Father's house this morning. I usually say it's quite simple. All we need to do is believe in Jesus. Believe that He is God's Son, that He came to earth, died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Repent from our sin. All that means is to turn away from the life you are living. You were doing your own thing, but now you turn away and say, now I'm going to accept Jesus as my leader. Believe in Jesus, repent from sin and accept Jesus as my Lord and leader. Right now, can I just have everyone's eyes closed? Everyone's eyes closed. If you haven't made a commitment before, perhaps you've drifted and you want to rededicate back this morning to Jesus, the one who was consumed with zeal for you. Would you just let me know? I can pray with you soon. Just raise your hand up. Anyone here this morning would like to do that? 